We are go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Welcome to a night of total terror. Night of the living dead, the dead who live on living flesh, the dead whose haunted souls hunt the living, the living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. adventure in fear, an experience in shock, more shattering than your strangest nightmare, night of the living dead, a night with the dead who cannot die, a night of total terror. of the living dead. Welcome to a night of total terror. Night of the living dead. The dead who live on living flesh. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. Night of the living dead. Mortaring than your strangest nightmare. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. On this episode of Planet 8, we're going to talk about all things related to ghouls and or zombies. Straight away, let's kick it up at the satellite. Karen, we've discussed this, the three of us before and often. The difference between ghouls and zombies, which came first, the chicken or the egg or the zombie or the ghoul? What are your thoughts? You know, Larry, this is a very complicated issue. 
<laughs> which requires much debate. Oh, yeah. Know? And and it, it really should be held in, you know, a restaurant uh, over some pizza or something like that. But uh, barring that, barring that, it, it's very complicated because, uh, you know, these creatures seem very similar. They're often mistaken for each other. Um, you know, if we go back, just cinematically speaking, um, to the early earliest uh, zombie and or ghoul movie, this is really a zombie movie, though, we have White Zombie in 1932 with, of course, the great Bela Lugosi. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that's clearly the uh, what we think of as like the voodoo zombie, right? Where, you know, the voodoo master basically uses his supernatural powers to raise uh, people from the dead. And they're essentially his his slaves. And right. that's really different from the concept uh, of zombies later on where they're uh, these mindless, uh, flesh-eating monsters, which, you know, if you look in, in a lot of supernatural lore, those were really called ghouls. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's sort of this mix-up in terms, it seems like, that happened much later on. Um, but for years and years, there were zombie movies that were all based on voodoo, and it seems to have been popularized, you know, once... Uh, Americans were traveling, you know, to Haiti and other places and becoming, starting to become familiar with this sort of mythology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Bob, uh, what, what do you have to add to that? I mean, uh, you know, the Haitian uh, voodoo um, magic uh, was responsible for at first for what we thought of was a zombie or did you consider it to be more of a ghoul? Yeah, I think when we do, when I edit this episode, I'm going to put like some drums in the background. <laughs> but uh, no, I was actually in in looking back at zombies and ghouls and such, uh, studying up for this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. I was actually reading where, and they, no one really nailed down what magazine it was, but there was a magazine in 1929 that did a uh, article on voodoo and uh, and the whole Haitian thing. And that's where they first coined the term zombie. And it was basically derivative of a Haitian word for the undead. But they didn't mention the word. They didn't mention the magazine. But that's kind of the first place that zombies were kind of referenced. And, yeah, it makes sense. 1929 and then 1932, they came out with white zombie and uh, right. another one that I always liked was I Walked With a Zombie. That was in the, was that mm-hmm. 46, I think, or 44? Yeah, there's like 43. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, they were kind of few and far between though back then. And, you know, there, there would be zombies in Three Stooges shorts and, you know, <laughs> referenced in cartoons and whatever. But, um but yeah, I mean, they they definitely start out as zombies and not ghouls. But then again, they weren't flesh eaters. They were just basically slaves to their Haitian masters or voodoo masters. And, right. you know, they'd just be, I mean, what is it? Was it I Walk With a Zombie? I think it is where uh, they're actually basically doing work. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and well, and you see that in White Zombie, too. Right. Yeah, I was going to say. Murder Legendre has has his zombies out, 
you know, working and running things. And, and then when he needs them to go attack people, then he sends them after people. But they're not the typical ghouls like you see in the later Romero films. They're con- all under his control. Well, yeah, but again, when they go out to attack people, they're basically strangling them or, you know, picking them up and throwing them over a, hit, a cliff sure. or something. But I mean, they're not, they're not running up and biting them and eating their flesh. Right. But, that came uh, much later on. Yeah. And then 1957 was one of my favorites was uh, the Zombies of Moratau. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Where they're actually, uh, they come up from, from the water, right? Because they, they show them walking around, and they'll put a little drape a piece of seaweed over their shoulder or something, and yes, yeah, so they came out of the water. No, yeah. Um, it's interesting because, you know, the zombie myth it, it has its roots in the Haitian voodoo um, lore, and, and they were these. Uh, like magical, you know, there's some kind of voodoo magic involved, whereas a ghoul was more of like a, a I don't know if it was considered like a demon or a monster, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was the ghoul that was the flesh eater. The zombies were either like uh, hitmen or <laughs> painting a house or you know, doing whatever these tasks that the voodoo master asked them for. And uh, I mean, we all agree that it was later on when the first Romero film came out that 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 kind of switched, right? The magic was taken out yeah. of it. Well, also sure. also during that era, and it was the era of the serials, they had zombies from the stratosphere. Now, were those really zombies? Or was that just kind of cashing in on some early zombie craze? Well, I, you know, that that's a good question. It's a fair question. To which we have no answer. No. <laughs> well, there were, I mean, there were a number of films that had sort of zombie-like creatures, but were they really zombies? I mean, we've sort of offline sort of discussed this, but things like Invisible Invaders. Right. Plan 9 from Matters. You know, it's like, are, are those really zombies? If, if your definition of zombie is, uh, you know, a, a dead, a corpse that is mindless and being controlled in some way, whether it's magic or, or science, then sure, you could count those those kind of sci-fi zombies as counting, uh, you know, in that definition. So, you know, there could be a really broad definition of, of zombie. Um, right. Versus like possession, uh, you know, sure. magic or science, or I, I suppose science could do like a transference of consciousness um, God, I'm thinking of Spock's brain now. Was Spock a zombie in that episode? <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> well, he, yeah, actually, that's that's kind of an interesting example. I mean, he was sort of a zombie, right? He couldn't, or he was almost more a robot because I don't think he could even move. Right. Without, but yeah, if it's just like mindlessness, then that would count. But I think now in, in most people's minds, if you ask the average person like, oh, what's a zombie? They'll say, oh, it's a dead person who's trying to eat you or something like that. Right. Right. Uh, I agree. Yeah, definitely. And then we were also wondering, again, like last man on earth. Right. Yeah. They they referred to them as vampires, but they were really more zombie-like. Right. And that was the Vincent Price classic. I mean, the first version of that uh, novel by Robert Matheson that was uh, put to film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Well, Matheson's 
novel, they were definitely out and out vampires. Yeah. In the novel, they were out and out vampires. And I think they kind of went back and forth. And it's interesting. Was it a choice by the person writing the screenplay or was it a budgetary uh, concern that they had in, in uh, filming? Well, I, I mean, that, that's a good question, too. Yeah, it was really interesting because, you know, they basically they act like zombies. And, mm -hmm. you know, they basically people are dying and coming back to life you know, resurrected it, you know, basically as zombies, but you still have Vincent Price, you know, staking them in the heart and hanging up garlic and doing all the typical vampire stuff. So yeah, they're almost they, kind of hybrids. They, it, 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 I was going to say, so go ahead, Walker. Well, I was going to say, but yeah, but vampires, I mean, they're people who die and come back to life. I, I, I kind of thought it was the fact that they were slow and, and shambling. So they were like slow zombies. Because I think that did inspire Romero when he made Night of the Living Dead. I think he, I remember reading somewhere that he had seen Last Man on Earth and mm. that it sort of inspired the way he did his, he didn't, like Bob said, he didn't call them zombies, but, right. um, you know, whatever you want to call them, dead. The dead. In, in that film, though, um, Last Man on Earth, they retained their memories because what, Mm -hmm. Freaked me out as a kid was the the main one calling out Morgan, Morgan, Morgan. It, you know, yeah. it's like come out, yeah. Morgan. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was great. <laughs> and and as a kid, I thought they were vampires, not having read the the Matheson uh, novel, um, because of them not being able to come out in the daylight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, then right. you've got so, then you've got uh, the Omega Man. You know, the Charlton right, Heston right. remake of, Charlton Heston. you know, and it's like, then they're like, they're not really zombies or vampires. It's, they're like, you know, something totally different in that one. People with bad wigs. The family. <laughs> Glowing um, eyes and fright wigs and. Well, yeah, I, I do wonder if that whole thing, the family, I mean, that was right after the Manson family, right? I, I was going to say that was a probably yeah. reflective of the time yeah um with what all happened with the uh, manson family um and if we're going as a, go ahead, uh, i was gonna say if we're going down that rabbit hole they uh, also have yeah. i am legend with uh, will smith now <gasps> you know what were they then they were more like they're more like the modern day zombies in that you know my wife loves that movie she loves will smith i think that has a lot to do I think Will Smith is a wonderful actor. I'm petitioning Marvel for him to be the next Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastic Four. What? Movie that come out with. But, but I digress. I digress. So um, she can tolerate really bad CGI is what you're saying. If Will Smith is in it, yes, I cannot. <laughs> that bad CGI, it took me out of... Uh, uh, the uh, Not the mummy. What was that thing with the rock? And he had very terrible... Harvey King. Oh, my God. And, and the same thing with I Am Legend. Yeah, I, I enjoyed I Am Legend up to the point where they started showing those creatures, and then I was just out. And then they I enjoyed it until like the dog Tasmanian died, and they lost me. I mean, it was like animated. It was terrible. It, it was bad. What would you say, Bob? I didn't catch that. Uh, so they they it was interesting until the dog died and then they lost they lost oh, me. Oh, he, he was, was he was the best actor in the whole thing and they killed him off. Yeah, he was beautiful. He had a beautiful dog. It was beautiful. You know the funny thing is is the CGI with the lions and the deer and everything that that was great CGI. It didn't take me out of the film. 
it was a stupid uh, ghouls for lack of a, a better mm-hmm. term. Um, anywho, we kind of jumped around there, but we we followed the cinematic uh, uh, versions of I Am Legend. Um, we kind of touched on the magic being taken out of the zombie and and George Romero's uh, classic film, Night of the Living Dead. Bob brought up a good point earlier. They weren't called zombies. They weren't called uh, ghouls. What, what were they referred well, to? They were as, called Bob? ghouls, but they're also called ghouls or the undead. The or, undead, you know, right? Okay, the I, animated I bodies of ghouls, you know recently passed people. I mean, you know, they, they were not called zombies though. And I'm tr- I'm trying to think when in which Romero movie they started being zombies. Was it Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead? That's a good question. I don't remember myself. That yeah. is a good question. We're probably going to yeah. have to do a Romero episode at some point, and then we'll go back and do some research. At some but point, I think we should. It's it's worth it. Um, because well, I don't, I I don't what, even the, think they referred to them as zombies in Dawn of the Dead. No prize for the first person who can go to the Facebook, Twitter, or blog spot and let us know <laughs> which movie did they first call uh, the Walking, or uh, not Walking Dead, that's a whole other discussion, but the uh, zombies in uh, Romero films. So, so getting back to Romero, um, the you know, the whole thing with the probe from Venus, I, I believe that they were trying to introduce some kind of a radioactive or a scientific explanation behind the dead rising and having a need to eat flesh. I mean, I, I don't know why they compelled the dead to, to need to eat human flesh, but that was the movie. Any thoughts on that, guys? I always thought that they just, you know, they needed some explanation, so they just threw that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and they never really, you know, went into any detail with it, so I, I never leaned too heavily on that. It just seemed like, well, we wanted to have this thing happen and so we had to come up with some explanation that maybe people would buy. So mm-hmm. that was it. And it was well, really just it. kind of a throwaway thing in a newscast. It wasn't like mm-hmm. you didn't have like a scientist sitting there going, well, you know, what actually happened was. Yeah, no, I like the way they did that. I mean, it was very subtle. It was a throwaway thing. Um, I, I know as a kid, you know, we always talk about creature features and Bob Wilkins. Um, and why that, not? It, was very disturbing, you know, the, the guy holding on to a, a, must have been a bone from a cow with all yeah. that gory blood and baloney and he just chomping on it. And the music is so eerie, it just adds to the, the creepiness of the piece. Well, when that, when that movie came out, there was like nothing like it. I mean, you didn't show things like that in movies. I mean, before mm. that... You know, what was the goriest thing in a film? You know, yeah. De- mm-hmm. Definitely not ghouls eating people. But yeah, I mean, they showed it in great detail or as detail as they could at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, that just, yeah, I, I think I've told the story before, but it was like the thing with creature features is they were the first Channel 2 creature features. They were the first ones in the entire country to show that movie uncut. And it was like one of their biggest ratings hits. 
In fact, back in the day when they had sweeps, which was like when all the uh, marketing people took the uh, took the ratings to basically charge for commercials and things. Whenever mm-hmm. sweeps would come around, which would be in November and I think April, they would always show their two biggest movies because they had a double feature. And the first would be Godzilla versus a smog monster. And the second would always be Night of the Living Dead. And uh, it was basically a staple for years on Creature Features. And I know when I was a kid, because uh, I think I was probably, uh, I don't know, probably... 10 or 12 when I first saw it and uh, a friend of mine from school called up he's like oh they're showing Night Living Dead on Creature Features tonight so you have to watch it in fact you have to sit in a beanbag chair in the middle of the room with the lights out <laughs> and I did and it scared the crap out of me so uh, that's the way to watch that movie I tell you um, but yeah that movie just stuck with me for for years and years and years even in the whole Bay Area film events thing. I mean, I think we've probably shown that movie four or five times. And mm-hmm. I'm sure if you ask Lord Bloodraw or any of the horror hosts, they've probably hosted it at least half a dozen times. Um, we even showed it after Giants game on the big scoreboard screen uh, with Judith O'Day as a guest. She was played Barbara in the movie. And uh, yeah, it just kind of keeps, keeps surfacing in my life one way or another. But um Definitely, definitely a big influence. I've, I've got to admit, I it's not a movie I return to because it does disturb me quite a bit. <laughs> so I I don't go back to Night of the Living Dead a lot because it, it's, it almost looks like a documentary. I mean, the way it's filmed, it's so stark. Yes. It, it hits me pretty hard. I think the first time I saw it, I was probably 17 or 18 and it had not been on TV for a a very long time. I know they made a big deal about, oh, we're going to show Night of the Living Dead uncut. Me and all my friends got together and we, I forget whose house we were at, and we watched it. And everybody was just sitting there silent. I mean, it was, (laughs) this was tough. And uh, it, it was, it was disturbing. Um, Now I will say though, I really enjoy Dawn of the Dead and I will watch that one. Over and over, and I think it's because it has more of a almost an action film feel to it um, for me. Uh, but but uh, Night is really uh, it, it gets to me, so I I don't watch it nearly as much as the other uh, uh, Dawn and Day. I is is kind of low on my list too. Well, the thing about the thing about Night Living Dead, I, I marvel at is. Before that, you know, movies would basically, if there was like a zombie apocalypse happening throughout the world, they'd try to show, you know, different people in different places and try to make it look big. But Night of the Living Dead is so claustrophobic because it all takes place in that one farmhouse. Mm -hmm. And the only hints that you get that this thing is going on, you know, outside of that farmhouse, throughout the world, whatever is on the little news clips that you hear throughout the the movie. Mm -hmm. And those things just embellish it like crazy. And I think that just those subtle mentions of, you know, corpse. Yeah. There was one was like like a cadaver came to, came to life in a hospital and started moving and things like that your imagination starts working. They always say your imagination can come up with things much scarier than anything they could put on film. 
And, you know, just hearing these references and what's going on outside in the real world or in the wide world or whatever, that's really the scary part. Plus, like I say, it all you're following these characters, you know, that, uh, that there's only like half a dozen characters in the movie. And, you know, you're following their peril. And, you know, it's like you're in that farmhouse with them. All the dead are starting to basically convene outside. And, yeah, it's just the, the dark. Yeah, they're always in the dark and the shadows and all that mm-hmm. until the very end. And, uh, yeah, I was just, uh, you know, God, what can I say? It's a masterpiece. Yeah. I, the other thing I like, I give the actors credit because – almost everyone had a different reaction to what was going on around them. You know, whether, you know, you kind of lost it and just stopped functioning or, you know, you retained your senses and started barricading yourself or you chickened out and ran into the basement to the peril of, you know, your young child. Um, You know, it was, it was just, everyone was, was reacting differently, which, you know, like you said, Karen, it, it's almost like watching a documentary because people are people, uh, you know, and sometimes the people are scarier than the, the zombies or the monsters right. or whatever. So, and, and that was like one of the hallmarks, I think, of Romero's movies is pointing out that, you know, people are more da- the, the living people were more dangerous than the <laughs> dead people. Right. And right. the things they would do to each other. And there was no trust. There was no comfort right. to be found with the living yeah yeah you know it is a masterpiece i i probably watch it like once a year um probably around usually right? uh, yeah usually around halloween unless someone you know i have nieces and nephews who are who are in their 20s now and they you know certain films it's like well you got to watch this you know and and so i'll bring it up share it with them um, Tra- okay, traumatize so, them for the rest of their lives you know uh, enabling them <laughs> deal with the reality that that life is <laughs> so well, i kind of wonder when, <laughs> so i kind of wonder with night living dead like if you showed a kid today would it have the same impact some movies don't hold up i think this one does though you know i'm an old fart bob i won't speak for you, you could if you're a young fart or old fart you could speak for yourself but I, I don't know. I, I do know that when I saw the remake of Night of the Living Dead, um, when was that done? Like back in the 90s? I didn't care for it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, forget the remakes, but. Yeah, I, it just, it didn't. Um, and, and so when we watch this, do we watch it with our our child's eye or that that, you know, person who we were when we first saw it? Or is it? Yeah. It's hard to, to take that filter off. Yeah, so I don't know if kids today, because I, I mean, I was flabbergasted when one of my nephews didn't care for Star Wars. And I'm like, look, <gasps> I, I, yeah. So he's no longer part of the family, right? No, I, I exiled his butt. Okay, there, trust good. Me. Um, but, you know, they're, they're so immersed in, like, video games and stuff. And I even showed him, like, the updated version with all the little spritzy stuff in it. Um. But then again, he doesn't like Marvel movies, so kid might have a little something. There's There's no hope for him. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you guys. So, you know, we talked about the the remake of of Night of the Living Dead, and Karen, you kind of touched on Dawn of the Dead. I mean, I was pleasantly surprised when when it was announced there was a sequel. 
to Night of the Living Dead. I mean, up to that point, you didn't see a lot of sequels to like 2001 or anything. Uh, well, at least back then, eventually they did a, a sequel, but uh, Dawn of the Dead. And one of the first classic scenes is the helicopter. <laughs> chopping off, chopping <laughs> off the top of the head, yeah. Right off the top. I mean, that just had such a, you know, it's like, boom, here we are. Flat top. Even, even the scene before that, before they escaped the city with the, mm. uh, the basement or whatever full of the, Right. The family members that have been deceased. I mean, there's some tough stuff in there, but it, for some reason it doesn't impact me like night does maybe because it's color and it's filmed a little bit differently. Um, and it, it does have more humor. Too. I mean, neither of me did have yeah, like there, no, there is zero humor more. in it. Uh, yeah. Cause it doesn't really disturb me as much as the first one either. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's entertaining, but not in a creepy way, even with the gore and, and all that. Right. Now, there was also the sort of unofficial sequel. And I think it was actually an official sequel to Dawn, maybe. But that would mm-hmm. be uh, The Italian Zombie. I, you know, I've never are, seen this. You've never seen it? Oh, my God. Nope. That, Bob, is that the one with the poster and it, it's half skeleton, half dirt, and it has the worm coming out of its eye socket? And it says, we are going to eat you? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I've yeah. never seen it, but I know Will's oh, talked God. about it. Will, Will Vajaro of Thrillville, uh, a friend of the show, talks about it a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's one of the great zombie movies. I mean, where else are you going to see a zombie fight a shark? Right. Okay. That's the one. I've heard of it. And then there's also, there's this one scene and you know, it's not really a spoiler, but it's like this woman is barricading the door like trying to keep the zombie out. And the zombie just like punches his fist through the door. It's like the door is like these slats Mm -hmm. and the slats are sticking out and he grabs her by the hair and pulls her towards the door. And in slow motion, one of these slats goes right in her eye close up on camera and it's like I did see it one of the many times I saw it was actually at Thrillville and Mm -hmm. uh, I did when that scene came up I didn't watch that scene I Mm -hmm. turned around to watch the audience watch that scene and you can see everybody in the audience just like oh god (laughs) so uh, yeah I mean and there's just so many you know, cool scenes in that movie. Yeah, no, definitely. I, the uncut version is out on DVD, probably Blu-ray now too. That's like Zombie mm-hmm. Two. That was the original Italian. Uh, that the original Italian title was Zombie Two, because I think, I think it was either Night of the Living Dead or Dawn was called Zombie. And so they, you know, they did this unofficial sequel and called it Zombie Two. But, Interesting. Uh, yeah, definitely something to to look for and check out well i know um uh, again from thrillville thank you will uh karen i don't know if you were with me or not or bob sugar hill (laughs) no i did not see that 1974 and from imdb it says when her boyfriend is murdered by gangsters sugar hill decides not to get mad but bad she entreats Voodoo queen Mama Matrice to call on Baron Samdi, 
Lord of the Dead, to help with a gruesome revenge. In exchange for Sugar's soul, the Dark Master raises up a zombie army to do her bidding. Um, I've only seen it twice. I, I actually did go out and buy the DVD after Will showed it. It is a fun uh, movie. The zombies, uh, obviously they're Haitian zombies with the magic, with those names, uh, but their eyes were like Gary Mitchell's in um, Where No Man Has Gone Before. <laughs> they were silver. Uh, that must have been it, painful. It must have been painful for the actors, but it kind of freaks you out because there's no pupil, you know, and and um, they uh, they poor actors. I mean, I don't know where they filmed it, but they had leaves in their hair and they actually buried them with like forest debris and they'd come up um, out of the ground and, and they were like, you know, hired uh, muscle for uh, for Sugar Hill to get her revenge. But um, so what, what year was that made? 1974. OK, so, so this is during the black exploitation of yeah, right. uh, Blackula and, uh, um, you know, all, all, all that stuff going on. Um, but it's a fun movie. If, if anybody uh, listening gets a chance to watch Sugar Hill. Um, do so you won't you won't regret it you know I, I wanted to um, plug another 70s movie yes please not do. not related to uh, Romero but a fun mm-hmm. movie that I, I really enjoy um, called shock waves it came out in 77 I, I it, you, it's got like the perfect elevator pitch all you have to say is amphibious Nazi zombies <laughs> yes it's uh it's a, a strange film um but f- to me I, I really enjoyed it and it also has both john carradine and peter cushing in it how uh, can you go wrong with that i mean it, i know it's like wow how do you get these people um uh, basically these tourists go out on a boat with john carradine this weird cloud appears they wind up uh this this giant sort of ghost ship goes by they wind up their boat gets wrecked and they get on this island this deserted island except there's this like really old creepy rundown hotel and no one's there except peter cushing who is an, <laughs> a, uh, you know re- retired nazi and uh, then they they're trying to like you know settle on the island and you know try to figure out how to fix their boat and all this other stuff and uh, similar to like the zombies of Moritau, these these guys come up out of the water, and they're the uh, Nazi death corps. They were you know experimented on and whatever, and they they're zombies, but they're amphibious Nazi zombies, <laughs> and they start attacking the people. And it's just I don't know, it's just something about it. It's very atmospheric. It's very creepy, and it has that weird like seventies music, you know. Oh. And uh, they'll they'll show up all of a sudden. They'll be like, and they'll grab people and stuff. So it's a lot of fun if you get a chance to see it. I yeah, I, I, I I'm I'm going to check it out because when you, you had me hooked when you said uh, Peter Cushing ex uh, ex Nazi running a hotel. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I can totally accept that. Watching a film, it's like, yeah, I can see that. It's sort of like the evil version of Fantasy Island, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> or the evil version of uh, Faulty Towers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they need a Manuel. He didn't have a, his own Manuel. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Well, so uh, uh, going from the 70s, when we go into the 80s, any any zombie films kind of stand out in your uh, recollection during the 80s? Other than Romero's sequels? Um, well, that, that is when Day of the Dead came out and we yeah. were introduced to Bub. Bub. Oh, Bub. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, let's, I have one other one, but uh, let's talk about Day of the Dead. Yeah, no, that was interesting because that's, I think, one of the first times, oh, actually, no, where, where they started, like, saying, well, yeah, the dead kind of remember, because actually they played with that in uh, Dawn of the Dead. They kept, they were going to the malls because they were well, kind they of were, like. Yeah, they were, they were repeating program their. Programmed to do uh, that, right? It's like we retained that memory. Yeah. Well, they were, they were basically um, retaining their habits was what they were doing. Right, right. But with Bub, that, that was different. Well, Bub could, like, pick up a telephone and he could salute. Right. And uh, he, he actually seemed like he could learn things. Yeah, that, that was very cool. I, I really liked that touch. Of course, I like how the evil, uh, I don't know if he was a captain or lieutenant, how he meets his demise at the end of the film. Oh, that was nasty. <laughs> I heard... Uh, I don't know if I read it or, or saw it, that that was, uh, they wanted to be very authentic. So rather than getting like uh, chocolate syrup like they did in the black and white Night of the Living Dead, they got actual pig's blood, right? And they went to the butcher and they got actual like guts, tripe. And uh, nobody refrigerated it over the weekend. So when they opened it up and they poured it in the guy's cast, it smelled to high heaven. So oh, that yeah. might not have been all acting. Oh, <laughs> God. That's, that's, uh. Well, you know, one of my favorite zombie movies from the 80s, and, and it really made me appreciate Night of the Living Dead, was Return of the Living Dead. Yes, that's what I was going to mention. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's okay. a great, that's a great one. I love how it starts because it's almost like a, a, uh, you know, you're going camping and you're sitting by the fire and you're you're hearing this like tall tale, you know. Do you ever see that movie? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and back alive. Yeah. Well, it was actually the government and he's got the container downstairs and he's like, Oh, you're you're pulling my leg. He's like, No, takes him downstairs, shows him the container, and sure enough, there's a corpse in there. And uh, you know, this, that, and the other happens and mayhem ensues. Uh, Karen, why don't you speak a little to that since you're going to bring it up too? Yeah, I don't. Well, it's funny. It's like, oh, you know, do you spoil a movie that's 30 years old? But yeah, I, that's true. It's, it's a lot of fun. I don't want to give away too much. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting that they tied it into Romero's films, you know, and they did it in such a clever way. Right. Thing like, yeah, yeah, you know, that it was almost like it's a. Um, what do you call it? Urban legend or something. Right. And, uh, and then, yeah, they have the, all the, the barrels with the corpses in it. And uh, the one corpse, I and I know there's a popular name for it. I don't tar know Man. Tar Man, yeah. Tar Man. That guy is so cool uh, when he pops out and starts running around. And the interesting thing, too, of course, is these zombies talk. Right. <laughs> and you've got the whole, you know, uh, the punk rockers who are, you know, running around trying to avoid being caught. And I don't know, it's such an 80s movie. 
Um, it is very much an 80s movie, but uh, yeah, the, the Tar Man, that was before CGI. And I, I can't remember the name of the actor, but my God, that was played so well. Yes. And and they call him Tar Man, but he was very slimy and very, you know, um, oh God, it's just, it's a great movie. Um, yeah, like you, I mean, it's a 30-year-old movie. I don't want to, you know, I mean, we could talk about it for... Well, and they, they managed to make stuff both scary and funny at the same time, which can be hard, you yes. know. Um, it, was, it was like a love story to George Romero in, in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob, did you ever see that, The Turn of the Living Dead? I did not. That's why I'm being very quiet. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. But Bob, okay, so it's good we didn't spoil it. You need to see it because to my recollection, that's the first time that the zombies they didn't just like say uh but they're actually having conversations like with the living yeah um, it was it was really interesting the the stuff they did with that yeah well you, you even had that in uh funny. in american werewolf in london american werewolf in london that's Whereas, that is a good yeah, one where david's friend comes back to life and he's like yes because comes up and just talks. And every time he appears, he's like more and more decayed. And, and you see, Bob, I think he is a ghoul because he's cursed with roaming the earth for the rest of his days as an undead corpse. Hmm. But he doesn't eat. Well, we don't know if he eats people. Oh, uh, that is true. But ghouls have eaten flesh, too. Well, that's what I mean. Ghouls eat flesh. But I, I never had any indication that uh, his friend... Jack? I can't remember his name. I think it was Jack. I, that he was eating people. So I, I read somewhere. Researchers here are like, well, uh-huh. no, I don't have any indication. Yeah. I, I read somewhere that ghouls will eat any flesh. Zombies will eat human flesh. Hmm. Although that was dispelled, we'll talk about when we get into The Walking Dead. Um, actually, one of the Romero films, uh, the zombies attacked an animal as well. So It's like a horse, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, right. So that was like Diary, just, wasn't it? I want to say Diary of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, well, even you were talking about like Bub being able to learn things and stuff. Romero mm-hmm. took that like a step or two further with Big Daddy. And yes. it was a Land of the Dead, right? It was, yeah. Uh, and James he, he was kind of no. Yeah. Dennis he was Hopper. like le- he was like leading the zo- the zombies. Yes, yeah. like the like the charge. He he, uh, yeah. they follow him. That was the last Romero film I saw. I have to say. Oh, well, hey. Well, DVD, after that, it was right. Diary, and then, and then that was it, right? He passed away after that. He, then he passed away. Yeah. Now you know we jumped in the eighties, and I forgot to mention this isn't a movie, but. Kolchak's The Night Stalker. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, we talked that, extensively about that one when we did the Kolchak episode, but we, still my we, favorite, we did, we did, my favorite I, of I, all I the Kolchaks. Yeah. <laughs> honorable mention. That Yeah, that, if you guys haven't heard our podcast on Kolchak, you got to check that episode out. That is like the quintessential voodoo zombie uh, episode and really good. And I think the interesting so, thing about that is it came out after Night of the Living Dead when anyone else had moved on to the Romero-type zombies. That one did the throwback yep. to the whole uh, mm-hmm. zombie thing, to the whole voodoo thing. 
Yeah. There, you know, before we leave the 80s, we'll, we'll jump into the 90s, but there was also, um, oh, God, what was it? The Rainbow? Serpent in the Serpent Rainbow. Serpent in the Rainbow, yeah. Right, right. And that was like an altered states kind of voodoo story, uh, right? Where they, they did he, uh, it was medicine that they were looking for for some kind of a disease. And they go to Haiti and, and mayhem ensued. Um, Captain Terrell was in that one. <laughs> oh, uh, Paul. Paul Winfield? Yes. If memory serves. Yeah, yeah. So honorable mention for uh, some more Haitian uh, type zombies. Well, I mean, that, you we know, when you, when you see the zombie lists, the lists of zombie movies, they also list Reanimator, which I don't know if. You'd really consider Reanimator a zombie movie? I, you know, and and that's the thing. A lot of people will try to like uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. It's a zombie movie. I don't see Reanimator as a zombie movie. It was more of like a like science a Frankenstein kind of weird type. Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard. So to that's show the other it. question: Is Frankenstein a zombie? Nah, he was, no. he was right. Well, Frankenstein monster, anyway. No, yeah, he's like a monster. He would, be, he would be like king of the zombies because he's not just a reanimated corpse. He's like a number of well, reanimated corpses. If I ever get my book published, Bob, <laughs> you'll get a chance to see the difference between Frankenstein and zombies because he cuts a swath throughout an entire plague of zombies. So yeah, I you know I didn't want to say anything because I was I had to sign a, a non disclosure. Uh, uh, instrument when I got to proofread uh, <laughs> Karen's uh, book and man now is this from, fact from or your, fiction from or your what? mouth to God's ears I hope that thing gets published because um, actually Walker, Karen did you get your short story published uh, that company went under so no. yeah it's it's tough out there it's really tough on small press so I may just wind up publishing that stuff myself Okay, we digress, but someday we're going to do a little like 15 minute thing on on your material because your story between the monster and the invisible man, oh, life changing. <laughs> uh, the, the two most unlikely monsters to pair together and, and yet it, it was just amazing. Um, all right, so we, we kind of jumped into the 90s with... Uh, uh, with um oh god what was the name of that the reanimator no that was the 80s Never that was mid 80s yeah we'll we'll jump into the 90s and we'll talk about scooby-doo on zombie island now that was a direct <laughs> to dvd <laughs> well it, it probably had uh, reasonable zombies i'm sure <laughs> let me ask you guys this actually um not really a zombie film per se, but Pet Cemetery. I was gonna say that's uh, like eighty nine, or that's like just on yeah, the that, of the that 90s, was late eighties, right, Bob? Eighty nine. Yeah. You know, eighty nine. So I, I don't want to be buried like in a pet cemetery. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I could see that. It was. It was more like a like a demonic thing than a than a voodoo thing. But it right? was like corpses coming back to life, though. It was rising corpses, from the dead, and what was it? Corpses, or was it possession by a demon? Well, I don't that, know. I never read the book. That's what I wondered because it's it almost felt like they were making some sort of pact with some sort of supernatural right. force. You know, it's just 
But, you know, again, zombies, you can have a broad definition. You know, whether I mean, they're well, brought back by a curse or they're brought back by a demon or they're brought back by a, a Venus probe or a monkey virus or whatever, you know, <clears throat> still zombies, well, right? You, ha you have a looser uh, uh, acceptance of what a zombie is, I think, than, than I do, Pop, which is fine. Because uh, we've been we've been friends for years, and and uh, the zombie debate's <laughs> not going to change that. <laughs> hey, I'm just telling it like it is. No, no, that's that's, that's fine. I don't. Uh, I, I can't think of anything in the '90s that really sticks out as far as like a zombie, other than like the reissue or the remake of uh, of Night of the Living Dead. I know that came out in the '90s, mm -hmm. and God love Tom Savini. I mean, he's a great special effects guy i mean he pioneered a lot of uh of makeup uh and practical effects um but i just didn't care for that film um I, you know and it's not that it was colorized or anything it just i don't know it didn't didn't work for me i saw it and forgot it to be yeah. honest yeah yeah i was i was really not impressed by that <clears throat> or the remake of dawn of the dead i mean both i think kind of fell flat you know, I, I have to say I did kind of like the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Um, you know, I, it, it it was different enough to me that I could enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Although I, I'm like with I'm like Larry, I don't really care for the fast zombies. That was the only problem I had with uh, um, Zack Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, the zombies were fast, but I, you know, that movie to me is kind of like the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. If, if they just would have made their Godzilla like a giant monster loose in the city, it would be easier to watch, you know, but the movie was or, still or at least stink. to accept. Yeah. Um, and, and we talked about that before too. And, and the animated series really did it more justice than the film ever could. But with, uh, with Snyder's um, Dawn of the Dead, the guy in the gun store and, and the communicating back and forth on the sign and uh, oh, that was really interesting yeah and sending the dog i mean that was yeah yeah that was kind of and the baby getting born that really freaked oh, me out that too. Was, that that was, um well let's let's segue into weekend at bernie's now was bernie a fool <laughs> <school> or <laughs> he was just a dead body sorry how about how about children shouldn't play with dead things? Oh, uh, I, yeah. I original or the remake? Was there no, a no, no original? I'm talking original. I don't talk remakes that much. Okay. I saw that when I was a kid, and it scared the crap out of me. I have. But I was, don't think I've ever seen it. That was I've zombies. Oh yeah, you should definitely see it. In fact, okay. I did see it at Thrillville with Will Vahara. This there is like go. the Will Vaharo episode. I know this is our love yeah. letter to Will, our dear Will. Yeah. We miss him so much. Uh, you know, it, it just a, a real quick plug. Unfortunately, the, uh, he doesn't do Thrillville uh, for the public. He, he has it at home now. He'll post on on his Facebook feed. You know, this is tonight's uh, features in Thrillville. But it was like a party every, I mean, it was Thursday nights for a long time. And I swear to God, it, it's a work night. Karen and I would, would skip out early. And every time we try to like sneak out, <laughs> Will would be there like, you guys leave the movie's not over yet. And we're like, uh, uh. 
we're not leaving. We're going to the bathroom. We gotta get up at five, Will. You know, God bless him. He did a tremendous service to all of us weirdos in the Bay Area because he brought in so many great cult movies. Yes. For for us to see on the big screen and weird opening acts and things I'd never heard of. And plus just the ability to bring community together and people to, to find each other. So uh, yes. yeah, Will, Will Vajaro is the man. I mean, it was, it was right. And, and I mean, lifelong friendships, not just with Will and Monica, but you know, obviously with you guys and sci-fi Bob Ekman and Don Bishop and, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, but getting back to, <clears throat> excuse me, the topic at hand, zombies. Um, so, so from what I'm hearing, not a lot of zombie films in the 90s. We're going into the 2000s now. Well, I think 2000s Actually, is basically, the revival <clears throat> was basically The Walking Dead. Well, actually, there was a movie out of Canada. It was more of a, a, a comedy than, than a, a scary zombie movie, and it was called Fido. That's a good one. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, I, was, I was never really all that tickled by Fido, but I know a lot of uh, people really like it. The, Billy Conley is just brilliant. Um you know, there's there's a lot of he, he, there is no speaking part for him. It's only his reactions with his eyes and you know uh, uh, mishaps that happen. And basically, the premise is they they have zombies as like pets um, in this uh, dystopian future. And uh, I, I won't spoil it because it really I, Bob didn't care for it. I, I thought it was great. I, I recommend it if you guys get a chance. Check it out, Fido. Uh, I won't spoil the ending for you, but it is a very entertaining uh, zombie comedy. Zombie comedy. Zombie comedy. Hey, you, you well, see, I was your own term. I was more of a Shaun of the Dead guy. Shaun of the Dead is another brilliant yeah. piece of zombie. Simon um, Pegg. I, I mean, I am curious, but I can live without knowing what a zombie fart smells like. Um, at the end of Shaun of the Dead, when they're playing video games, <laughs> not Shaun good, obviously. Out. Yeah, <laughs> but I thought I thought it was just brilliant—the fact that there's all this stuff happening, and Shaun is like totally oblivious to it. Well, and the because thing is, Bob, is it's who, like, who are the zombies? The the monsters are we? I mean, right? Yeah. All this stuff's going on, and they don't notice yeah. until it's too late. Well, that was the thing because. They show him getting up and going to work and everything else when things are normal. And right. people are just, you know, they're shuffling around, doing their day-to-day thing and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so when when the zombies appear, he goes to work and he just thinks these people are shuffling around and doing their day-to-day thing. He doesn't really see a difference. It would, the classic scene when he goes to the store and, you know, he goes to buy like a Coke or an ice cream or something and like nobody's there and there's like... You know, blood all over the place, and he's just like, oh, okay, well, you know, <laughs> the counter and walk out. Yeah. Um, so, going, you brought up Walking Dead. Um, 
I myself never read the comics religiously. I've I picked up issues and, and they were really good. Um, but I never got into collecting the series. Did either of you go for the books? I, I kind of read it sporadically comics? like in compendiums. Uh-huh. And I think I got up to the end of the whole Negan thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And then I kind of stop. What I usually do is I kind of stop and I wait for the series to get a little, a little ahead and then I'll read some more and catch up. And so yeah, I need to do another spurt at some point. I haven't really gotten to the whispers part in the comics yet. Mm-hmm. How about you, Karen? I was reading the comic for a while. Actually, I think I was reading, you know, they would put together like seven or eight issues. Um, And I was reading that for quite a while. Um, Even I think before the series, maybe a year or two before the series came on. Nice. Um, So, yeah, I was into that for a while. Cool. I mean, the Um, the comics are good. I mean, they're definitely good. Um, Oh, yeah. And the series, you know, the series kind of like, follows the overall arc but not so much the details sometimes because yeah, obviously there's, there there's characters that were killed in the series that are that were still in the comic for a long time and vice versa but and then well you have yeah, like, like carol well, you also have, carol well you also have like daryl daryl's like one of the main characters and he's not even in the comics yeah he never existed so um, which makes me wonder, was Merle part of the comic? No. As all as Merle and Daryl. Merle, Merle and Daryl, yeah, no, they were, uh, they were all strictly TV. So now how excited were you guys when, when it's announced that The Walking Dead is coming to AMC cable television as a weekly series? Well, see, I didn't really read the comic before the series came on. But I did see, oh, yeah, hey, you know, the zombie series is coming on. It's like, okay, that would be cool. And then when I watched the first episode, the pilot or whatever, and that whole scene where Rick finds the little girl in the junkyard and she turns yep. around and says, that had me hooked right there. I was, I, I've watched every episode since and I still watch it, even though a lot of people have kind of fallen by the wayside. Mm. Like me. <laughs> well, yeah, there you I, go. I, I was originally excited, and I I went, you know, I watched it for I don't know how many seasons, many seasons, but I the, the unrelenting uh, negativity. I just after a while, it, it was like there was nobody there to cheer for. Everybody was so morally bankrupt. Um, it just became hard for me to watch after a while. Plus, there were just a lot of things going on in my own life. I didn't need a lot of negativity so uh i stopped right right i think right when they met negan mm-hmm. and i didn't go on with the next season but you know i'm not saying it wasn't a, a well-crafted or interesting show um you know i i thought it was kind of interesting i just kind of felt like they didn't have a real path for the that i was interested in following anyway no no harm no foul i mean it, you know, it's just like with uh, earlier. I said, uh, Bob, not, uh, and as it is, I, I forgot what Bob didn't really like. Said that's how good friends we are. So, uh, <laughs> Walker, eh, no harm, no foul. Um, with the oh, no, I, dead, I, I don't care if anybody likes that I like it or dislikes that I like it. <laughs> oh, I, 
I, I think that's different between you and I. We've had a friendship for so long. Uh, and one of the beauties of that friendship is talking about you not watching The Walking Dead anymore. And I, I would never coax you into like getting back into it. I mean, you, you're not into it, you're not into it. Um, one of the things that uh, keeps me watching, I mean, first of all, like I said, I wasn't a big fan of the of the comic book. Uh, I didn't collect it. I'd read it once in a while and, and it was interesting, but the uh, TV show, I was like, Bob, when that kid showed up, whoa. Um, and, and the, the half corpse woman on the, on the lawn, um, Rick Nicotero and his team just knock it out of the park every single week. Well, there was also an early episode with the zombie in the well. Oh, Oh, that was the bloated, uh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Season two, they're on the farm. Um, Eugene's farm. Um, Rick having to shoot Carol's daughter. I mean, you know, Merle sawing off his hand. I mean. Oh my God! It's just the, the, the one of the things that that compels me to watch this series as well as um, Fear the Walking Dead is when whatever it is that you're living for, whether it's your spouse, your children, your job, your God, your religion, your whatever it is, and it's taken away. What do you live for? Some people in the series continue to live. They find other reasons to live. Other people don't. Other people de-evolve into the the worst of us rather than the best of us. You know, and, and Rick was the hero, but what he did to save Carl with those thugs in, in uh, whatever season it was, and they oh, were... Um, bit the guy's ear off or whatever? Or the, no, his throat. His throat, I mean, that's was right. Like, and then later on in that church, he just hacks up that. He says, I told you I'd take that hacks on, chop you up. And, and he did it in a church. Um, so I understand, Walker, why, why you're like, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> no, yeah. no. You know, um, one of the more poignant episodes was when Carl had this vision of what the future should be. And he was unwavering and, and, and they, they did you know, Carl, they wrote him off the series and, and he got bit and he, uh, his dad had to shoot him. Um, well, that, yeah, I mean, that bad. was, uh, that was huge because I mean, they had that killed was, off other characters and things, but yeah, you know, it's like the whole theory was, this was really Carl's story. Right. And, the, and he I would mean, go on beyond Rick and, you know, it would follow him and then suddenly poof, he's gone. Right. Because Rick lost his way at, at one point in time. And then you thought when, when he loses Carl, he's really going to lose you know, his way. Um, it's interesting, Bob, too, the dichotomy between Rick and, um, oh, God, he went over to, to Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, oh, Morgan? Morgan? Morgan. Isn't it amazing how they've each lost spouses and children and, and then went insane but found their way back? You know, for whatever yeah. reason, whatever purpose that they were able to find. Well, you know, uh, Fear, Fear of the Walking Dead almost lost me until they brought Morgan over. And then mm. and then they killed off most of the original cast. Mm-hmm. And now they've got a whole new cast this last, you know, season and a half or whatever. And now I think it's like really good. In some ways better than The Walking Dead. It is really good. It's it's a different story in a way than than The Walking Dead. Um, 
I think it was kind of ballsy to get rid of almost all of the original cast, but it did work. But now you have Daniel Salazar coming back. Yes. That man is OG. I mean, old school gangster. He, <laughs> Barbara, <laughs> Barbara during the day and, and uh, you know, uh, freedom fighter at night. He's, he's amazing. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I, enough good things about uh, those two series. Um, we have come to that point in our podcast uh, where we share the latest and greatest um, item and or information that has come to our attention. And today's podcast, the censor suite belongs to how soon we forget. <laughs> Go ahead and edit that in later, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we kind of forgot about that, didn't we? <laughs> Holy <laughs> And all the excitement. You know I'm going to leave all that in. <laughs> okay. We, we have a little over an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, so we... with some music and sound effects, <laughs> that's going to be great. Uh, so the sensor sweep is mine and I was going to do it on a book and this is like a book. This is like a real book. There's not a lot of pictures in it. So, <laughs> but it's called, could it, could it be a, a book if there's no pictures? <laughs> of course. What is this yeah. thing you speak of? This is, very, yes, you know, this, is, this is highbrow stuff we're talking here. Uh, <laughs> the book is called screaming for pleasure. How horror makes you happy and healthy. Oh my! Uh, this Jonathan is was thinking a totally different thing, like one of those books you keep in the nightstand. As uh, was I, <laughs> Gideon's Bible or something. But no, this was like uh, in the Canadian Mounted. But no, this was written by <laughs> Scott Bradley. <laughs> on the cover, he goes by S. A. Bradley. Uh, he does a uh, podcast called Hell Bent for Horror. You can find uh -huh. that at hellbentforhorror.com. But basically, this book kind of follows his story and his love of horror films. And also, as he's describing that, he also equates it to your life and things that, that you could learn from horror films. Uh, my life? Your life. I, all of our lives. In oh, fact, my goodness. Uh, you know, his, he, he basically compares seeing your first horror film to your first kiss. Friend, things, things like, <laughs> hey, you two, calm down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he covers uh, plenty of things in the book. I mean, it's definitely worth checking out. And uh, you know, he covers like over a hundred different horror films. But again, he does it with a different slant. Yeah, you know, some of the things he's got here is like uh, when horror echoes real life. You know, horror, the horror manifesto, horror through music, how literature can empower you. So the whole thing is kind of, you know, taking horror a step further and uh, bringing it into your personal life. And it's actually quite an interesting book. And I'm sure we'll post a, a uh, link to where you can find this book. Just make sure if I have the info. If I have the info. I will, as well as, will. as his podcast. So uh, definitely, you know, something else worth checking out. Definitely. Sounds cool. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. 
We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planetatepodcast.blogspot.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet 8 Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Planet 8 Podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. Coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! <laughs>